Welcome in to Locked on Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here, and we are very excited to welcome back one of our favorite guests that we ever have on, Mark Berman of the New York Post. Gavin, we got a lot to talk to with Mark today. It's all about Donovan Mitchell. As Mark reported this week, are the Knicks actually willing to give up R.J. Barrett in a trade for Mitchell? We get into that and so much more right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. Locked on Knicks. We want to thank you guys for making Locked on Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you guys making us a part of your daily routine. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Knicks site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. He is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster getting into high school football season. One of my favorite seasons of the year, honestly, as a former high school football reporter for NJ.com. But we are joined by a much more relevant reporter for the New York Post, who is Mark Berman. Like we said in the intro, we've got a lot of great stuff to talk about as far as the Donovan Mitchell saga, because Mark came back from a little, little break and has just been breaking news left and right with his reports on Donovan. So I won't hold this up any further. Let's get into it with Mark Berman in the New York Post right now. All right, as promised, we are joined by one of our favorite guests. We have Mark Berman of the New York Post joining us today. And Mark, it's been a long, strange offseason, particularly for you so far. You you said that you had a little bit of time off and now are back in the the flow of things. How... uh, uh, how is it coming back to the Mitchell trade? And then uh, also <laughs> just coming right back in and, and dropping a huge bomb of an article on Monday that gave tons of info to Knicks fans. Yeah, I, I was away for 10 weeks on a family leave. I'm still in Florida. I'm heading back to New York tonight uh, to cover the U.S. Open, but now I'm covering the Knicks. This is the time of year where it's I get a reprieve from the Knicks, and it's all about tennis. But uh, not this year. And it's unfortunate for the Knicks, uh, the franchise, that they still have so much uncertainty uh, going forward. But uh, listen, I think this deal will get done, but it could be day one of training camp or the day before training camp. Thibodeau, you know, we were talking off camera. He wants to put together his playbook, and he's not exactly sure – uh, what his roster looks like. And it's sometimes you put plays together based on your personnel. So more urgency for the Knicks to get this deal done than Danny Ainge, who doesn't care if they win 15 games in 2022-23. 
Do you, do you think on the Jazz side of things, Mark, there there almost is an urgency in that they would be incentivized to want to lose a lot of games this year, get that high draft pick in what's supposedly a loaded draft, and in turn maybe a little bit of pressure to get off of Mitchell just because he'll help them win more games? Or, or you don't think Danny Ainge is thinking that way? No, I, I think Danny is definitely highly motivated to trade Donovan. Once Rudy was was gone, that was it. I mean, Danny had showed his hand. He's going to try to recreate what he did in Boston by collecting a million draft picks. And, you know, there was some silly report after the Rudy trade that uh, I don't want to say who reported it, but that the plan is to build around Donovan. Yeah, Donovan has always had the Knicks on his radar. Rick Pitino, you know, we spoke to uh, for his Iona conference call yesterday, and he just went on and on about how much Donovan would love to play for the Knicks, has always loved the Knicks, has always loved this New York area. You know, it's been written many times. Salt Lake City is not a haven uh, for NBA players. It's a very small city. It's not extremely diverse. Shandon Anderson has been very public about it. It's tough to be a ball player out there. So I think Donovan has done his time in Salt Lake and would love to be a New York Knickerbocker. Yeah, so you, you came out with your most recent report on Monday. I'm going to just quickly uh, uh, read a couple things that you had written in there. So you said, according to sources, Jazz President Danny Ainge and Knicks President Leon Roser at a Mitchell stalemate over really one thing, the amount of unprotected first-round picks in the package. A source told the Post Ainge is after four unprotected first-round picks, not just two, which was what was reported uh, by Shams of The Athletic on, I believe, also Monday. It's been a busy week for for uh, Mitchell News. So I, my question to you, Mark, what's your inclination on where the dust settles as far as picks are concerned? Because it, it seems to me, based off you know, the the other report of the, the apparent uh, Obi Toppin, um, Evan Fournier, two unprotected first-round picks and some other protected first-round picks offer – uh, combined with what you're saying about, you know, Ainge really preferring four f- unprotected first-round picks, then maybe we're going to settle in at three unprotected first-round picks as the price for Mitchell here, which, I, you know, I think most Knicks fans would probably be able to talk themselves into. Um, I, I I do find it interesting how over the course of the month that the negotiating seems to be going a little bit in the Knicks' favor because initially we were hearing from maybe not source reporting, but certainly talking heads, talking about seven first-round picks total, including unprotected ones, eight first-round picks total, um, which is the max that the Knicks can give up, which just seems obscene, which we'll get to in a minute, too, about how much you know powder the Knicks want to leave dry here for another move. But what's your – I'll just end this uh, <laughs> this overall speculation by just saying, what, what where do you think the dust settles as far as unprotected picks go? Yeah, I think you said it at the beginning uh... – I think three unprotected. You know, when I was uh, reading from afar uh, in July and heard about the seven first-round picks, I was stunned. I wasn't really making the differentiation between the Knicks' protected picks and the unprotected picks. Then I went, when I got back to work, I'm told, yeah, Danny just cares about the unprotected. He doesn't like those protected picks. You know, they don't convey right away. You never know when they'll convey. Uh, it's lottery protected. 
you know, sometimes I was talking to someone in the league saying, you know, sometimes a late first round pick is not a, a great asset because it's a big contract and you're getting a player who's probably a second rounder. So, yeah, Danny wants unprotected. So I guess that first report about seven total was four and three. You know, the Knicks got three on that draft night, that crazy draft night that I'm still trying to analyze and figure out how the Knicks did not make their lottery pick uh, to clear cap space. I'm still, I'm surprised fans are, are still okay with it. Or, or at the time, I think everyone was shocked. But because Brunson, it became a Jalen Brunson thing, I think fans are uh, sort of okay with it. But, you know, I've told people, you know, that I, on the phone, I said, you know, if one of those uh, players who got picked 11 and uh, later have a really big year and the Knicks don't really succeed as much this season, there's going to be a lot of speculation to what happened on draft night. All right, we'll be right back in with Mark talking about a lot more with this Donovan Mitchell saga, including uh, the potential inclusion of Obi Toppin and and what that means for Julius Randle and all that stuff going forward. But first, you're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many as the evening comes to an end and people start to head out. You think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. All that sounds quite bad. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. How future focused do you think the Knicks are in these negotiations? Because the, the underlying implication of, of the Knicks pushing so hard against giving up those four unprotected picks is, is sort of a, a tacit acknowledgement, right? That Donovan Mitchell is not the final move. He's not the player, at least given this current Knicks core, that's going to drive you towards championship contention. Do you think the Knicks are keeping in mind that ultimately to, to hit their largest aspirations, they're going to have to get someone equal to or better than Mitchell? And to do so, they're, they're going to have to be have the flexibility going into next summer to trade another couple of unprotected first round picks? Yeah, hundred percent, Gavin. Uh, I think I wrote something over the weekend that the Knicks feel a Donovan addition can get them a 10 game leap, 37 wins to 47 wins second round, maybe even, but then where do you go from there? You're stuck as the sixth seed with no first round picks to be able to either utilize to add to your roster or trade in, in a big blockbuster. The Knicks would be barren of any assets. You know that Brock Aller, chief strategist, uh, has a heavy influence on Leon Rose, and he's all about draft capital. He hates to give it all up. And, you know, this they may have to ultimately, but they're playing hardball right now. Or, or you know, they're just trying to get the best deal possible. I'm surprised – you know, that that there's been some negativity about Leon holding back because, the, listen, it does 
it is lousy for the coaches because, again, with the playbook and knowing your roster, it's lousy for the players that could be involved, like Obi and RJ, Evan, uh, quickly. I mean, there's just, you know, one other thing I wrote is the player package is not as vital. I think they both have an agreement on what player package. It, it's fluid, but I don't think the Knicks care one way or, or another. I've written, you know, that Thibodeau, you know, loves Grimes, and if Barrett has to be the guy instead of Grimes, he's 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 okay with it. Although someone else told me later on that you know Tom really likes RJ. Don't d- d- that report seemed to be a little much, but you know, especially with RJ with his size at the three, uh, with an undersized backcourt of Donovan and Jalen. But uh, yeah. It, it, the Knicks would be stuck in a place where they don't want to, well, you do want to be in the playoffs. So, but they're trying to break the championship drought. And I think James Dolan would realize like, what, what, what would be next? How do we get out of the sixth hole? How do we get to be a championship contender with no assets? Yeah. And you know what you said about the, the player package, not ultimately being that important to the Knicks is interesting to me. Like, um, one of your colleagues on the beat, Ian Begley, yesterday said, uh, a big name for me to watch is R.J. Barrett. Utah certainly seeks R.J. Barrett in a deal. That seems to be sort of contrary to what we've heard so far, right? Like, I think they're yeah, – Well, the admit- same reporter wrote a month ago, I believe, that uh, R.J.'s off the table. Right. Uh, because, and, and also yeah. that there's – But I wrote over the weekend that, yes, obviously R.J. is on the table – for both sides. But I, I'm also told, I don't know how exaggerated that report was regarding Danny's interest, mm-hmm. but Danny knows he's got to pay RJ and at least Danny is going to be in control of that rookie contract extension. But I don't know how much in love Danny is with RJ considering they're very well aware that RJ wants a max contract extension, which is $185 million over five years that could become untradeable if RJ doesn't make another leap. But I'm sorry, you were going on another direction on a question. Yeah, I was basically just, so I was actually going to bring up the fact that RJ needs to get paid, but then I was going to say, you know, it, the Knicks have seemed pretty invested in RJ to me, uh, given how, I mean, they, they made him the focal point of the offense down the stretch of last season, which seemed to carry with it a negative in the sense that, that it didn't seem to rub Randall quite the right way on the court uh, with how he would, you know, react to that during the game when RJ was sort of being the guy uh, uh, running the offense down the stretch, taking the big shots, whatever. So I'm curious if the Knicks were to include RJ in this deal, do you think that the only reason that they would do that is if it carried with it, like a significant downgrade in the pick package? Because I would have to think that, in, in, I know you said that like the, the player package doesn't matter a ton to them. I take that more as maybe they view Toppin, Grimes, and Quickly more or less on the same footing so that they're not as concerned with giving up one of those versus the other. But I would think that RJ would probably be another tier for them, right? Like a, a step higher up that they would consider a higher value in a deal? Yeah, I mean, it's all about the contract. Uh if he wasn't due this rookie contract extension, uh, it would be a different story. Like Quentin is still on his rookie contract for three more years. Uh, but 
Yeah, I mean, if RJ's in the deal, you'd hope that it's not four unprotected picks. I don't think it would be. Uh, but listen, RJ, you know, if you take RJ out of the off the roster and Obi is also in the deal, it kind of sets up a, a Julius Randle revival tour next season because, as you know, it was so obvious that Julius was a little jealous of RJ and his popularity and when I mean, we've talked about this on your show, I think, even when Randall was at the free throw line uh, late in the season and the fans are chanting RJ's name. I mean, it was just so, so wrong. But I'm looking for forward to a different Julius Randall this year. And if RJ, who's so ball dominant and almost to a point where it became a little too much, uh, they weren't sharing the ball enough, RJ and Julius, but if RJ's off the roster and then Julius doesn't have to hear any OB chance when he's on the court, I think Julius's frame of mind would be better. Uh, and with Donovan replacing RJ, that's an upgrade. I mean, it's just a clear upgrade. And you said they're so invested in RJ. They were invested in RJ by default because Julius uh, was not effective last season at the start. Uh, and then RJ started playing much better than Julius, and it just evolved that way. But it was by default. And the face of the franchise, Donovan Mitchell, you can't get any better, especially with the backstory of them once passing up Donovan in the draft and now getting to right that wrong. What do you think the odds are that Julius is on the roster at the start of next season? Because I remember when we had you on around draft time, you, you're telling us a little bit about how the Tom Thibodeau regretted not playing Obi Toppin more down the stretch. And the Knicks he, collectively as an organization were starting to realize, hey, we might really have something here. There has to be some way to give this guy a chance, to your point, by the end of last season. I don't know about you. I kind of thought like, man – I don't really know how tenable it is for them to come in with this same roster with Julius on the team again, because we saw what that looked like and it, it, it felt a little broken to me. And now that the Lakers have officially missed out on Kevin Durant, I know there's some speculation, well, they could be the third team involved in this trade and they could potentially direct a pick or two Utah's way and the Knicks could direct Julius Randle and Cam Reddish over there. How likely do you think scenarios like that are? Because at least to me, it seems pretty clear if there was a positive market for Julius Randle up until this point, I don't know if he would still be on the team. And I don't know if that market has existed, but maybe it's starting to as we approach the season. It's a great thought. Obviously, the Lakers drafted uh, Julius and it didn't work out great. And he has some bitter feelings, but he still has a place in Los Angeles. And the Lakers have to do something. I know LeBron and Julius, it's not, they're not buddies at all. Just the opposite. In fact, Julius's departure was due to the fact that the Lakers were eyeing LeBron in the long run. But yeah, you make a great point because the Lakers need to do something. And uh, they like Cam Reddish. Thibodeau still isn't sure about Cam Reddish. So, yeah, maybe a three-team deal. I think I think you're right in terms of a three-team, four-team deal that this impa impasse with Danny and Leon might not be able to be solved without help from other teams. And the Lakers are very active in trade talks. And as you know, they wanted Cam from Atlanta first and then 
uh, from the Knicks at the trade deadline, and Alec Burks would have been in that deal. So very plausible. And what's going on behind the scenes with the Lakers and the Knicks? I mean, no one's saying how active that discussion is. But do they want Julius? Does LeBron want Julius? I mean, LeBron really is the general manager and head coach. Yeah, I mean, it's, there's no denying that LeBron, wherever he goes, tends to have a a very hands-on uh, approach to uh, being on any given team, and the Lakers have certainly given him that sort of latitude. Otherwise, I don't, I don't know for sure that like a Russell Westbrook deal gets done last year because I don't know, yeah. I don't know how anyone but a a fellow player that has that like mutual player respect would okay that deal that they made last year. All right, guys, we'll be back one final time with the legend Mark Berman to talk about if this deal actually gets done, when it gets done, and who might ultimately be included in a trade. But before I do that, there's something else you can bet on, and there's a place you can do it. It's betonline.net. They are the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. You can find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. You can find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information. From live in-game bank scores, podcasts, they have you covered. They also have you covered with the latest NBA championship odds that have shifted dramatically since Kevin Durant news. At one point, the Brooklyn Nets were 40-1 to to win the NBA title. You could have gotten them on the low now. 15-2, to two. they are the fourth leading for to win a title. Your New York Knicks are a little bit behind. They're somewhere around 22nd. They are 80-1 to one to win a title. Hey, you know, throw five bucks down on that. You could potentially win big. Things are really going to have to go right, though, for that to happen. Head to BetOnline today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline is where the game starts. As we start sort of wrapping up here, Mark, uh, I, you know, we, we've sort of – talk through all this. We haven't really talked about IQ too much, but I, I'm kind of curious if if you were to to ask like the the Knicks or like if you were trying to get into the mind of of the Knicks and rank how they view RJ Barrett, Quentin Grimes, Emmanuel Quickly and Obi Toppin in their like hierarchy. Where do you think they would land? I know that you said the that it seems like at least in the in the view of a Mitchell trade, that there's not much of a difference between them to you. But I'm kind of curious what you think as far as like, if they were going to like gun to their head, say, you know, who do you like best? Like, which, how would you rank these four guys? Like if you were going to try to keep three of them around or, or two of them around outside of this Mitchell trade, how do you think they would go about, you know, ranking those guys? Well, I think we saw what they thought about Emmanuel quickly uh, on draft night when they were so desperate for Jalen Brunson that they gave up their lottery pick uh, to clear cap space. The stories we wrote toward the end of the season after quickly was going off on triple doubles, can he come into the season as the starting point guard? No, the, the Knicks just did not want that scenario. They were so desperate to add a a, a a real point guard, which Jalen is. And so they view him as a bench player. And Emmanuel views himself as a starter. So in terms of the likeliest person to go into the deal, I think the Knicks would want quickly, because you're getting back Donovan, 
you kind of have a glut at that whole position. Derek Rose, they still think is going to be a factor this season. Uh, so they would want Emmanuel in the deal. What Danny Ainge thinks about Emmanuel, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm sure and I'm pretty certain he doesn't want Cam in this deal. Uh, I think Dan Danny just listed the guys that he likes, and I don't think Cam was on that list. He's coming off the shoulder surgery. He also has a contract issue. So, uh, but I think Emmanuel would be, you know, he's a good scorer off the bench. And I think Danny would appreciate Emmanuel. About Obi, it's it's really the position. Uh, the, the Knicks would value him a hell of a lot more if Julius Randle wasn't a power forward who could only play power forward. We've talked about it. Tom does not like the 4-5 small ball unit of Julius and Obi. There's no rim protection. The defense is not going to be uh, neither a good uh, team defense guys. Uh, it, it just doesn't work. I mean, maybe four or five minutes a game. So then you have the minutes issue. How do you get Obi enough time to justify keeping him out of a trade? Uh, uh, so, and plus again, the, the awkwardness, of Julius and Obi, they love each other. Uh, Julius, Obi's the nicest guy in the league. And, you know, Julius has been his mentor, uh, not especially the, his rookie year. But, you know, with the fans clearly uh, picking Obi over Julius, it makes for an awkward situation that could be alleviated if Obi is thrown into this package. And the Knicks have beefed up the center position where, you know, the kid from uh, the Clippers can be their stretch four or five. And uh, Jericho Sims showed a lot in summer league again. And Mitchell has Mitchell Robinson has resigned. So, you know, the, I think OB can be expendable, quickly expendable. Tom loves Grimes and he does not want Grimes to be in the steal. But if it has to be, it has to be. And the RJ thing, I think the Knicks are all over the map on it. It's a very polarizing issue uh, with his contract at $185 million, They really don't want to pay. And does he work with Mitchell and Jalen and Julius with those four guys who need the ball? All right, Mark, let's, uh, let's end on this. Do you think this deal gets done? If so, when does it get done? If so, what does it look like? So Danny has been telling people, oh, I got two teams who, you know, they made a couple offers, really like it. I mean, who knows? I mean, I'm sure Miami has put together a nice offer. Uh, I just don't think it's enough draft picks for, for Danny. Obviously, Danny would love the press to write about the – uh, sweepstakes going on that, you know, multiple teams are involved. So Leon would have to uh, up his offer. I don't think Leon really believes that these two mystery teams have offers better than his. So uh, it could go down. I think the deal will get done. I think it will get done with the Knicks. I think it will be the day before training camp when it's finalized. I think they're going to be playing their poker right up until they have to. And to me, that's, you know, when training camp starts because it, for the Knicks to go into training camp still with this hanging over their head, that's not what Leon Rose wants. That's not the way to start a season. I think 
almost if training camp begins, I think he might even pull back. Yeah, well, it's certainly going to be a a uh, long month and change between now and then, if that is the case. But it's been a long month and change already, so I guess we could we could survive another one. Mark, we know that you're going to be here uh, uh, taking care of us as far as you know getting the intel and and you know disseminating it and giving us honestly that that story on Monday was one of the more uh, comprehensive stories I've seen in a while as far as where things stand as far as this uh, this all is. So certainly Thank appreciate you. that. Do you have uh, anything we always ask? Do you have anything you want to promote? You want to promote your U.S. Open coverage real quick before we sign off? Uh, anything coming up that you want people to know about? Yeah, well, my next newsletter, uh, you know, Zach Brazilla did a nice job filling in for me. He was continuing the Thursday next newsletter. I'll be back at it uh, for tomorrow's newsletter. So that's the uh, main next thing right this moment. And obviously the U.S. Open. Listen, I know that, uh, you know, there's some Knicks fans who like tennis, but the Serena thing is a big deal. It will be a great celebration. Obviously, he's she's nowhere near where she once was at age 40. She'll turn 41 later this month. But it will be great for to see her go out at the U.S. Open. And it's going to be a great, great night. I think it's Tuesday night. She'll probably play her first match. And if she wins it, you know, then we go to Thursday, but we'll see uh, what her drawer looks like uh, on Thursday. Cool. Well, we look forward to seeing that. Certainly is. Uh, if Knicks fans need a, a nice distraction from the Mitchell saga for a minute, one of the biggest tournaments of the year in tennis, right, right in our backyard. So certainly something to look for. Thanks so much for coming on, Mark. Really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. As always, I think this was a really informative episode. So Thanks so much for coming on, and, and uh, hopefully it won't be too long. We love that you're not a stranger and, and come on here pretty often. <laughs> great. Thanks, Alex. Gavin had a great time, and uh, good luck. You guys do great work. Thank you.